Well, good morning, Cross Point Church. How are you guys doing this morning? Good? It's a good-looking crowd for the uh, first of the year. And let me just say Happy New Year to everyone. Did everybody have a Happy New Year, New Year's Eve last night? Awesome. That's good. Hope you guys stayed out of trouble. So, um, so this morning, I, uh, let me introduce myself. My name is Michael Buffalo. I'm one of the pastors here at Cross Point. Uh, pastor David, our lead pastor, is out of town. Uh, spending some well-deserved time with family, and so he asked me to fill in. And um, this week, we're actually going to be kind of finishing up the uh, the message series we've been going through called "Share the Season." And so um, we uh, we're going to kind of finish up that this morning. Um, I do before we before I get into that, and before we kind of uh, just pray and get into the Word this morning, I do want to talk about um, next week and the next couple of weeks, actually the next four weeks in a series. Uh, starting next week called Thy Kingdom Come. It's going to be a really important, uh, I think, a foundational series for us. Um, and and uh, this is the one thing that I want to encourage you guys with as we talk about this. Because, you know, you guys may not know this and, or may not think about it. You know, I don't think about, you know, this kind of stuff uh, sometimes. But, you know, but I, I, I do think about how things are made. You know, I love to know how, I, you guys watch that show, How It's Made? I, I watch it, I love it, my wife hates it, I watch it all the time, they're like, every episode I can get, you know, because I love to know how, how things are made, and, and uh, one of the things about the way that sermons kind of come about and the message series come about at Crosspoint, it's a very interesting uh, process, but, you know, it's not something we just kind of do willy-nilly or just, you know, on a dime decide that we're going to do. A lot of these message series, they take months of development and time, and there's literally dozens of people involved in this process, you know, it begins with uh, God speaking to Pastor, Pastor David and sharing with him and, and casting a vision to him and saying, this is where I want you to take my people and, and that sort of thing. And then that kind of transitions to him uh, sharing that with us as a staff and executive staff and, and everybody that's involved there. And there's just so many people that are involved in that process after that, you know, the developing of the life group material and the, the, uh, the promotion of, of the series and just thinking through how uh, each one, uh, how they each fall and how they lay and how they connect with other series and, and just, uh, you know, and maybe you guys don't care about that, but I guess one of the reasons I'm bringing that up is because I think it's really important as we think about this series that we're about to go into, just to know that we as a staff and as leadership here at Cross Point Church, we have been thinking about and praying about this series that's been coming up for months at this point. We've been, we, we know that God has a message for us as a church, and so it's going to be really important that you guys and that we are here to hear that message. You know, it, it's, not, it's not really going to be very impactful if you're not here to hear it. And so as we, as we talk about that over the next couple of um, uh, weeks, I, I really hope that you guys will make a commitment to be here. And not just to be here, but to invite a friend, invite a family member, invite your neighbor, maybe your coworker, someone that you've been thinking about inviting for the longest time. Maybe your New, New Year's resolution is to invite uh, someone to cross point. Maybe it's not, but maybe it should be, you know. Uh, but I want to encourage you not just to be here for the next uh, four weeks, but to bring a friend and to, to really plug in and just know that God has big things in store for us. So starting next week, we're really going to talk about what God has in store for us in 2017. And, and so uh, I'm super excited about that. And so, um, you know, the, the temptation sometimes is to say, well, I know that person, they, they really need to hear that message. You know, they really need to hear that. And so I'm going to invite them. But I want you to consider for just a moment that you and I really need to hear the next couple of weeks that are coming up. And so I want to encourage you guys to be here and be faithful over the next couple of weeks. And so um, over the last seven weeks, we've been sharing uh, the season. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but it's been an amazing series. It's kind of focused on 
who Jesus is and the different attributes and how he reveals himself to us. Uh, uh, over the last couple of weeks, we've learned that Jesus is capable, that he's forgiving, that he's patient, that he's charitable, that he's compassionate, that he's worthy, that he's glorious. We talked about last week. And this morning, we're going to see, or, or more of the point, be reminded that Jesus is at work. Amen? If you agree with me that Jesus is at work, would you, get, would you just give Jesus a hand? Amen. Jesus is at work, and so I'm excited to share, and so what I want to do is just begin with a word of prayer, and then we'll get uh, right into it, okay? Father God, we just thank you for this day you've given us, or we thank you for this amazing time that we have to worship you this morning, Lord, that we've come together as the saints in Christ to worship you. What a privilege. What an honor that is to do that. And so, Father, even now as we continue to worship you, as we continue to worship you through the reading and the understanding of your word. Father, we know that we cannot do that without your spirit upon us. We cannot understand the deep things of God without you moving in and amongst our lives. I pray this morning that you would prepare our hearts so that you would open our minds so that we could see the truth of your word. Father, I pray that you would work in our lives in a mighty way this morning. That, that Father, that you would continue to reveal to us. Father, we know this, but sometimes we, be, we need to be reminded that you are at work. And so, Father, as we look at that this morning, Lord, I pray that you would be honored and glorified through everything that's said and done. We ask and pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. You know, it, it's funny, as we talk about uh, Jesus is at work, there's this amazing principle that we also have to think about. You know, anytime that Jesus is at work, you know who else is at work? Yeah, that's right, Satan, our, our common enemy. You know, if you are a believer in Christ this morning, the Bible tells us that, that our enemy is not flesh and blood. We in here are not the enemy. But be assured that when Jesus as it, is at work, the enemy is also at work. You know, and I've seen this over the last couple of years. You know, we see this kind of this rising tide, if you will, of, of, of our culture, uh, especially a Western culture, trying to kind of marginalize or or make small the importance of Jesus and make small the importance of the church. You know, to really, to kind of, to, to, if, not, uh, if not just marginalizing the church, outright attacking the church. And, and what's, I think what's heartbreaking about that is that this is, for one, this is one of the three-pronged approaches that the enemy takes when he wants to attack God's people. You know, his, uh, his trident, if you will, his three prongs that he used to attack uh, God's people, he attacks the family, Right? I think a lot of us have been a recipient of the enemy attacking our family. He attacks the church, right? And, and ultimately, I think for us, he attacks, well, he attacks the church, the individual, and the family. And so we see this, this uh, onslaught of this and this kind of rising tide. And the worst part about it is it seems like sometimes that, this, that these attacks are actually coming from within the church. You know, I, I've seen this, again, this rising volume of books that are being written by so-called Christian leaders that that are just kind of turning away from the New Testament approach to church, that are kind of looking and wanting to do things in a different way, as if the way that Christ set out for us to do and to be and to live is not good enough, and so we need a new way. And I would submit to you the only thing we need is an approach, is to go and, and to continue to, to look at the New Testament approach. You know, I would say at the minimum that these so-called Christian leaders are, are turning and giving a one-sided approach to this whole process. You know, spirituality is all the rage. You know, you talk to people and they say, well, I, I'm not a religious person, I'm a spiritual person. Spirituality is all the rage and, 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 and religion is out. You know, community is hip, 
But organized worship is lame and oppressive and irrelevant. You know, we hear, we hear people uh, talk to us or they ask the question, well, why do I need sermons and pastors and, and, and organized uh, worship? Or why do I need a pre-planned uh, worship service? And can I just say to you, who needs those things? I do. I need those things. I don't know about you, but I know that I need those things. You know, I, I know that I need people thinking about and praying through the process of how we approach the very throne of God. I'm sorry. I think that that's something that we should think about and have some real gravity and have a lot of conversation about and a lot of planning as we really look at it and think about how can we draw people to the very throne of God? How can we approach Jesus? I think that's something we should think about and there should be a little bit of organization when we think about it. Uh, you know, I see the, the growing kind of uh, emergent church movement. If you guys, maybe you've heard of that term before. Maybe you know, it's kind of a nameless, faceless, leaderless, uh, you know, anti-church really approach. You know, they, they kind of hold up individual worship and freedom of worship and, you know, and, and hold up home church as some sort of alternative or something, uh, you know, home church is some sort of thing that's against uh, organized religion or meeting in, in a church like we are, a gathering of the saints. But the reality is when we look at Scripture, we look at Acts chapter 2, and we see it says, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. Why do we do this to ourselves? Why does it have to be this or this? When clearly the New Testament approach for us is to do both, to gather together in the temple together and to break bread together in our homes. This is what we do. We divide ourselves and we allow the enemy to divide us into this group and that group, the church group and the home church group. You know, here's the reality. We have both of those things at Cross Point Church. If you're a part of a life group, you're a part of that. You're breaking to bread, bread together in the homes. You're committing yourselves to the apostles' teaching. You're growing together, and you're being, and all of this is happening in awe, and, and miracles and wonders are being performed, and God is adding to the church daily. This is an amazing process that happens, and we get to be a part of that. The bottom line is the enemy is attacking the church, and we have to be reminded that the church is of great value. And not to forsake her. First of all, because we are her, right? Don't forsake ourselves. And so there's a couple of reasons. I want to talk about a couple of reasons why the church is important, okay? I think there are really important uh, reasons for us to talk about the, this morning. The, the first reason I want to talk about why the church is important is because Jesus is at work in the church. Jesus is moving in the lives of people and individuals. I mean, I look out at this crowd and I see faces, some faces that I don't know, some people that I just met for the first time. Hey, you guys, you know? And, and, but, but here's the reality is I know that when I look out at this crowd, or, uh, even if I don't know you, I can know that Jesus is at work in the midst of this. This is why Christ has called us together to see this, to see this happening. You know, we, we were kind of, I was talking with some of our staff this week, and we were just rejoicing over the stories, the just honestly, the endless stories. I think about the end of John. If you ever read the Gospel of John, you know, the, the, the end of the Gospel of John uh, kind of says, and these things I recorded, I wrote down. He says, but if I tried to write down all the things that Jesus was doing, it would feel like all the books in all the world. You know, I love that John, that's, that's John's uh, approach or his understanding of everything. When I think about what Jesus is doing and how Jesus is at work, just in this church, 
just in the lives of just the individuals that are in here. I'm blown away. There's not enough time, but I do want to take some time just to share a few of the amazing stories that I've seen where God is just moving. Uh, you know, I talked with uh, Pastor Spence, our worship pastor. He was telling me about some of his discipleship opportunities as, as marriages who have been struggling, have been healed, and, be, and been made right, as, as, as uh, being restored, as people have grown and matured, started taking on more leadership roles, how he's seeing a growing sense of God's presence in their lives and a deeper hunger for righteousness. Jesus is at work. How as hard as it may be that he's, he's sent out multiple people out of his ministry and out of our church to go and be a part of other churches and other organizations. I can't imagine, you know, it's so hard to, to build into and disciple and spend time and, and then send those people off somewhere else to, you know, you want to keep hold of them, you know, but that's not what God has called us to do. God has called us to be a ascending church. We praise God over a message that he received recently from someone that we sent out. It says, um, I just want to say thank you for all you do. Thank you for cultivating a community of disciples. Amen. I grew so much on the worship team, learning alongside others how to use my gifts for Jesus and just how to live like Jesus did. Thanks for your creativity, dedication to excellence, and your love for Jesus and others that just pours out. Being away from Vadasta, I definitely feel like I was spoiled in the best way, at Crosspoint. You got me plugged in and were one of the people that changed my viewpoint on what the church is. So thank you. Can we just give Jesus a hand for that? What an amazing story and a testimony. You know, I'm blown away by, that's just one story among many of, of things that Jesus is at work in just the worship ministry. I was talking with Gabe, <coughs> excuse me, our family pastor, was telling me about a young man in our youth ministry he had an accident this year and it caused him to miss out on a lot of things in his senior year. And in the midst of that loss and that pain, I can imagine, you know, missing out on those sorts of things. He put his trust in the Lord and he knows that God's plans are bigger than his plans. First of all, what an amazing lesson to learn at such a, a young age, you know, and such a young time in his life to learn that. Uh, he told me about two girls that came to know Jesus this year and their mother who started coming to Crosspoint as a result of that. And they were all baptized together. We saw that just a few weeks ago. Amen. I mean, what an amazing thing. We talked about, we rejoiced over, there was 120 students that attended M now, and they led by serving in the community and put on our community fest in Scott Park. You know, it's funny, a lot of people ask, are we doing a community fest this year? And I'm like, yeah, we are, it's in Scott Park, and we're going to go, and it's going to be not something just for us, but it's going to be something for our community as well. And we reached out and just did an amazing, and it was amazing to go there and be a part of that and just see and do, and to be a part of it myself, you know, was just such a blessing. Uh, Nick, our family ministry director, he told me about a mom who serves in DPK and also served at DP Camp. That was probably her first uh, uh, big interaction and probably wouldn't be in our church and have a relationship with Christ and not been with, for the ability to serve in these areas. It's been amazing to see, to watch her and her family grow over the past few months. And her children are even sharing the gospel with their friends and family members because what they, they have been learning in DPK and because of the change that they have seen in their mom. What an amazing testimony of how God is moving. I want to share this with uh, Brian, our equipment campus pastor. And, uh, you know, he, it, it, we didn't want to get into all the details, but uh, he says he, we were talking about how a tragedy that befell a family in equipment, it could have, uh, had a, could have made a young man very bitter. But he's opened up to a new and a vibrant relationship with Christ. Here's, here's the thing, you guys. In the midst of all that that's happening, only Jesus 
could be responsible for something like that, a tragedy befalling a family. And it's so easy for us when that happens to get angry, maybe not even just angry at God, but just bitter and angry because of the circumstances of life. And yet in the midst of that, Jesus is at work in this young man's life and that he is growing and and growing in a vibrant relationship with Christ, that he's returning to a relationship with Christ. There in our missions uh, director, he told me about a lady that came by in October, and he actually shared this story a couple of weeks ago, but uh, the last time that he preached, but, you know, she came by here, and, and she asked if we were doing Adopt-A-Box, and she was basically testifying of how the Adopt-A-Box that we had did a couple of years ago had been huge in her life, just the way that we served her, the, we, the way that we, uh, just this small act of, of, of service for us that maybe is small to us, but for them was a huge deal, and God had really been big in her life and really shown up. And she didn't need the adoptive box this year, but she wanted to come and donate and be a part of the adoptive box this year to help others. I don't know about you guys, but that's a huge story of life change. Uh, another couple things that we see is, uh, and there's not, a, again, not enough time to talk about all the different families that have been impacted by bubs and bumper bags. And not just the families that have been impacted, but by those that have served in that ministry. It, you, know, if you, you know that if you serve in that ministry, you know how fulfilling it is. I love that the, the idea of bumper bag is that basically your only form of payment when you come here, you get to come here and grocery shop. You know, it really kind of brings back the dignity, if you will, of, of people that are in need. They're not just given a bag and say, here, take, take this. This is what we have for you. Take this. And that's it, you know, but you get to go and pick what you want. You get to, to choose for your children what you know that they'll eat and what you know that they won't eat, you know. Uh, but it's more than just that. But, but the only form of payment, if you will, for that is for us to allow us to pray with you and for you, you know, is share, share something that's going on in your life that we can pray for you. Maybe it's a praise Jesus moment. Maybe it's a, a, it's a <clears throat> pray to Jesus moment. But whatever it is, that's just a, a huge thing that's... Uh, it's been an impact not just for those that have received that blessing, but for those that have been able to serve and be a part of, of that. Um, <clears throat> Pat, our Celebrate Recovery Director, and, and his team, we were kind of talking about this um, story of a, a, a lady. She came and uh, she wanted to serve in CR, and, and, and she really wanted to make sure that everybody knew she's there to serve, but she doesn't need CR. You know, it's kind of funny how we do that, right? That, that little, you know, I want to be here and I want to serve, but I, I, don't really, I don't need to be a part, you know, I, I don't... I don't need that, you know, and uh, I just want to help others. But <clears throat> she participated in CR and, and ended up being ministered to in, in, in the midst of all of this. And in the midst of all of that, broken relationships with members of her family were healed. She said that if it hadn't been for CR and serving in CR, she wouldn't have had the courage to go and repair those broken relationships in her own family. What an amazing thing. And finally, I want to share this one from Linnell. Um, our women's ministry director, she shared this testimony. It's from a young lady that goes to our church and is involved in women's ministry and very involved in our church. And uh, she said, I thought God was moving me to Valdosta for a better job opportunity, but I see now that God was moving me to Valdosta to come to Cross Point Church. What an amazing understanding. I don't know why I just snorted there, but, <laughs> but uh, uh, honestly, because I was almost in tears just by that thought, you know, but what an amazing uh, reason, to, uh, 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 an amazing realization of why God has brought you to Cross Point Church. Um, wow, that was going to be a good one. <clears throat> How'd your message go? Well, I snorted, you know. <clears throat> That's all you guys will remember. <clears throat> and I keep talking about it. So, so let me finish reading. So I see now that God was moving me to Vanessa to come to Cross Point Church to be shepherded by David Rogers and discipled by Linnell Rogers. 
I've grown more spiritually in the five years that I've lived here than in the 15 years that I've been a believer. I truly appreciate how Pastor David encourages us to pursue God on our own and teaches us to walk through the sanctification process that salvation is only the beginning. I love that. I appreciate the studies that Linnell gets together for opportunities for me to grow. I love that she, you know, she sees it as Linnell is just thinking just about her. Because in a lot of ways, she really is. You know, she's thinking about all of the women here at Crosspoint Church, but she's thinking about each one as individuals. She goes on to say, <clears throat> for opportunities for me to grow. I'm thankful for a pastor's wife that truly cares about the women in the church and is available because I've never attended the church that the pastor's wife was so involved. I love how approachable David and Linnell both are and how they love us so. I'm thankful that God gave them this vision many years ago and they were faithful to walk it out and continue to walk it out. I'm thankful that God led me here and I'm excited to be a part of the future here at Crosspoint Church. Amen? What an amazing story. You know, here's the thing. Even in in the midst of that, some of us, there's some of us on staff here at Crosspoint Church that, that... that, and I say this sometimes, we don't get to sit under the shade of the trees that we plant. You know, some of us here are, are support staff and administrative staff, and sometimes we work in behind-the-scenes uh, things, and we do things that are, you know, sometimes are thankless jobs that, you know, nobody knows about. I often say, you know, I do a lot of things here at Crosspoint Church, but my specialty is plunging toilets. You know, I'm really good at that. You know, it's the only thing I'm really good at. You know, but the reality is there's a lot of us here on staff at Crosspoint Church that, that even, even us, even though we may not have direct impact, we know that the, what, the things that we are doing behind, this thing and behind the scenes and the way and the things that, we, that God is allowing us to do, the privilege that we have of serving, is it, just the knowledge of that is enough to know that, that God is working in the midst of all that as well and is helping people get plugged in into growing, and it's truly a gift. And so uh, the second reason I want to share with you guys why... The church is important. The first reason the church is important is because, because Jesus is at work in all of you guys. In, in, in the midst of your life, in the midst of, of everything that's happening, these are just a few of the, I think, hundreds, maybe thousands of stories over the years of Jesus being at work in the lives of the people. I want to say this, too. The, the second reason Jesus is important, if I can just, if you guys will indulge me for just a moment, is, is because, because Jesus is at work in my life. As a pastor here at Crosspoint Church and as a believer in, you know, April and I, uh, in just a few months, will mark 10 years of being here at Crosspoint Church. That, first of all, is just mind-blowing, you know, uh, that we would be uh, at any place. uh, Any any pastor in here knows that serving any place for 10 years is a huge deal uh, in churches, it seems like, in this day and age. Uh, And so, but being a part of this church has utterly transformed my life, you know, um, since we've been here, we've never been more well cared for, better taken care of uh, since we come to this church. We've never been more served than since we've come to this church. I, I didn't know that I had the capacity to love someone as much as I love you guys. I honestly, you know, I, I'm not a guy that shows emotion all that well. I just tend to snort, you know. And, <laughs> But, uh, but the reality is I didn't know that I even had the capacity to love as much as I love you guys. I didn't know that I had the capacity to feel love and to, to, to feel uh, loved as much as I feel loved by you guys. Now, I don't get along with everybody in this room. But no, I'm just kidding. But there's this amazing feeling that comes from that. And I, I didn't know, I, I didn't think 
that, uh, you know, there's, there's these passages in, in the Bible. There's 59 of them, uh, the one another passages. You know, Jesus, Jesus says, love one another. He says, the world will know you are my disciples if you, by how you love one another. And there's 59 of those passages all total. And I, I would have never thought that those passages were truly attainable until I came to this church and I began to realize I can do these things one to another. I can love people. I, can't, I am capable. You know, you guys have taught me that. I've never experienced the unity of the Spirit like I've experienced here. I've never felt a passion for sharing the gospel with those that don't know Jesus more than when I've been at this church. Just for me personally, Jesus is at work in the life of my church and outside of being a child of God and a, and a husband to a wonderful wife and, and being a, a father, a daddy to two beautiful boys, this has been the greatest privilege and pleasure of my life is being a part of this church. And, and God, here's the thing. I know the church is important, if nothing else, for me. For me, because Jesus is at work in my life. And you guys have been a huge part of that. I'm about to snort again. <laughs> so, <clears throat> so here's the thing, you guys. The third reason is in Scripture. The third reason that God reveals to us why the church is important is in Scripture. And so uh, Ephesians chapter 2 is where we're going to be this morning. You guys want to turn there? Ephesians chapter 2. <clears throat> I love this. The, here's the thing. We're going to read this whole chapter, okay? We're not going to talk about every word in it because there's just not enough time, okay? But we're going to read the whole chapter, and, and, and I, there's three things where I think it's really important for us to see how and why Jesus is at work. And this passage, in a glorious way, displays for us how Jesus is at work. And so let me just read Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. It says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins whence you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. That's our common enemy. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. Wow. Like the rest of mankind. And I love this in verse 4. But God, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with Him and seated with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. In verse 8 it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision which is made in the flesh by hands remember that you were at one time separated from Christ alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise having no hope without God in the world but now, in Christ Jesus, you were once far off, have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. For He Himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility. 
by abolishing the law of the commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross. I love this. Thereby killing the hostility. What a, what a kind of contradiction in terms. Killing hostility. And he came and he preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Now trust me, I know that's a lot. And we're going to move through this, and, and so we're not going to be able to touch on every uh, piece, or else we'll probably be here about this time next week. But, but I do want to look at, the, and, and here's the thing. I said that you know, God's Word gives us the third reason. You know, here, here's the third reason why the church is important. is because Jesus is at work in the church, and simply because He says so. Jesus says so. He says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. I don't care, honestly, how many books are written that are anti-church. I don't care, honestly, how many people turn away from the church. Jesus said, I will build my church. And he believed so much in that truth that he would build his church and the gates of hell that would not, would not prevail against it. That he ultimately, that he gave his life on the cross, so that we could be a part of the church, something that was impossible. That's what it talks about here. It says you were separated from the commonwealth and you were far from God, but I was drawn near by Jesus. And in the midst of all of this happening, this is what he's saying to us. If nothing else, maybe Jesus has not worked in your life. I, I bet if I, if I were to ask you to raise your hand and say, Jesus moved in your life in some way in 2016, probably every person in this room would raise their hand. But even if it wasn't the case... The church is still important, and Jesus is still at work because he says so. I don't know about you guys, but that's enough for me. That's enough for me. And so here's what I want to see, that Jesus is at work. In this passage, Jesus is at work in three ways, and they're really important ways. The first way, Jesus is at work in our salvation. Just look with me again in verses 1 through 7. Says, and you are dead in your trespasses and sins, which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. And verse 4 says, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead, and our trespasses, and made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And in verse 6 it says, And raised us up with Him, and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And I love this in verse 7. So that, in the coming ages, He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. You know what that verse, that, that verse 7 is saying right there? He's saying, I have given you salvation. He says, and one day I'm going to show you the immeasurable riches of grace in God or in Christ Jesus towards us. 
Jesus is at work in our salvation. He is saving us. And here's the thing that sometimes we think about. We, maybe we don't think of verse 7 directly, but we kind of indirectly think of verse 7. We think, yeah, one day when I get to heaven, everything's going to be great and everything's going to be amazing. And, and God, all the tears are going to be wiped away. And all those things are true. But do you understand that salvation is not just for that one day? For that day, whenever we close our eyes in this life and open our eyes in the new life, Jesus has given us salvation for so much more than that. Salvation is for today. I mean, here's the thing. You look at verse 6. Go back for just a second and look at verse 6 and says, and, and says Christ and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus. You understand, that's not something he's going to do. That's something that because of salvation, he has already done. He has already raised us up. And not just that, but he has raised us up and seated us with Jesus Christ. What a huge honor that has happened today. If, the day, if you are saved, if you are a believer in Christ today, you are raised up with him. Jesus is at work even now in your salvation. Don't wait. Don't think of salvation as just something that happens down the road. Here's the reality. You know, I, I was thinking about this. You know, we, how many guys have been to Grand Bay? You guys know what I'm talking about, the fire tower that's out there? You know, you go down, you walk the little wooden boardwalk, right? And you watch out for the crocodiles or alligators. Alligators. Yeah. And, uh, and then you climb up the tower. And what's so cool about that? I mean, there's nothing that special about it. It's really pretty out there. It's really quiet, you know. And it's cool. And we took our two boys and ruined all of the quiet, you know. I mean, they're just having fun. They're running up and down the boardwalk. They're playing with the alligators and you know, and all that stuff. And then we get to the big tower and we climb all the way up to the tower and it seems like 700 steps or whatever. And then um, we get to the top and here's what's so amazing about that is it's probably one of the highest points in Valdosta in the sense of, you know, Valdosta's not, there's not a lot, you know, we don't have a lot of uh, high-rise buildings and that. So you go out there and you can just see for miles in every direction. It's funny how when you're walking through that you're walking down through the boardwalk, you know, and, and the trees are growing up around you, and, 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 you know, it's so hard, you can't see anywhere. You can't see more than 20 or 30 feet in any direction because of everything that's growing around you. But then you get down to there, and you climb up to the top, and you look out over the top, and you can see for miles. Your perspective completely changes. That is why Jesus has given us salvation. That's not why he will raise us up one day. That's why he has raised us up today, to change our perspective so that we can see beyond just the trees that just kind of come up in front of us and, and block our eyes and cover us. So that we can see beyond that. We have the ability. We didn't have the ability before salvation, but now because of salvation, because Jesus is at work in our salvation, we have the ability to see so much further with so much more clarity. We, the, our perspective is completely changed. And I don't know about you guys, but it's amazing. And it's a gift that we are given that we don't often use enough. Jesus is at work in our salvation. The second thing I want you guys to see here, Jesus is at work in our future. <clears throat> Verses 18 through 22. Some of you guys are thinking, why do you skip 8, 9, and 10? That's such good stuff. It's all good stuff. <laughs> Jesus is at work in our future. In verse 18 it says, For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, 
in whom the whole structure being joined together grows in whole, in, <clears throat> excuse me, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also being built together in the dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Jesus is at work even in our future. Look again at verses 21 and 22. It says, In whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are also being built together with a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Here's the thing. Jesus didn't just build us just to stay in one place. Jesus didn't grant us the salvation that we so richly received just so that we can sit here in one place and not move forward. Jesus, he is moving in, the, in our future. He's given us a future and a hope. Jesus gave us our salvation so that we could continue to grow and to move forward. I don't know about you guys, but you know, I, how many of you, if you have children, you never think about your children's future? I'm sorry, you're probably a bad parent if you never think about your future's children. Or your future's children? Your children's future. I mean, here's the reality. As parents, we are called to think about our children's future. I do that for, we do that for our boys. We talk constantly, even at their young, tender age that they are, five and three, we think about their future. We think about their schools they're going to go to next year. We think about the schools they're going to go to in five years and in 10 years and, and our hopes and our dreams and all of our thoughts for them. And, and, and here's the thing, if I'm doing that and I'm thinking about that for my children and my broken uh, place as just a normal human being, how much more is Jesus and the Lord, our Father, thinking about us and thinking about our future and planning a future for us? Over and over and over and over again, we see that Jesus is working in our lives, that he is working, he is at work in our future. He has a desire for us to grow and to be built together and to, to sorry, spent some stepping on your stuff, to, to turn into, to become the temple, the very dwelling place of God. You understand that the things that we go through in this life, you know, we have a tendency when we go through hard times, frankly, honestly, we have a tendency to complain about those things. But do you understand when God is doing those things in your life, he's doing those things because he is working, he is at work, and he's working for a future He's got to come in sometimes. He's got to knock down some structure. You know, he's, here, here's what happens when Jesus comes into our life. We, we think of it this way. You know, Jesus comes in and we're a home, right? And then he comes in and he starts like knocking down walls. And he starts rebuilding and restructuring and all this. And, 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 we, and it hurts, right? The process of sanctification is painful, right? And as he's moving, as he's knocking down stuff in our life and he's emptying out rooms and he's hollowing us out and sometimes he's even knocking down foundational parts and we don't realize that here's what Jesus is doing. He's not just trying to build or rebuild a home. He's trying to rebuild a castle, not for us, but for him to come and live in and dwell in. He has a plan for us. Jesus is at work in our future. <clears throat> Jesus is at work in our sanctification. Y'all read with me in verses 11, and, uh, 11 through 13. <clears throat> Jesus is at work in our sanctification. Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision. In other words, you non-Jews were called in the flesh by Jews, which is made in the flesh by the hands 
Remember that you were at times separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope without God. But now in Christ Jesus, you were once far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Jesus is at work in our sanctification. I want to just read that verse again, verse 13. It says, And you were, who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You know, you guys, that word brought near is just a, you know what it simply means? Embraced. Hugged. That's what, that's what, that's what he's doing. He's embracing us. Now, I don't know about you guys, but, but you know, I'm a hugger, frankly. Um, April knows that. I like to hold hands. I like to hug. You know, that sort of thing. And, but here, here's what's really important about that. You know, I know the importance of a hug. You know, I try to teach my boys the importance of a hug. It kind of freaks some people out because they'll climb up on you and hug you hard on the neck, you know. But here's the reality is I want my boys to know that what it means to be embraced. I don't want them to grow up these, like, emotionally defunct kids who don't understand what it means to be physically embraced by their daddy, you know. And so, so I hug on them. I love on them. You know, we do tickle hugs and all that sort of stuff. And, and here's the thing. I know the power and the importance of a hug. I know how it can change your life. I know how being embraced can change your life. Years ago, April and I, we went through one of the hardest times in our life. We, we lost our first child through a miscarriage. And, and we walked out of that doctor's office. You know, we went for an ultrasound. And we knew something was wrong because they held us back. Uh, and, you know, they, we didn't just go home. And, and then we were told there's no heartbeat. And you've lost this child. And the heartbreak that comes from that, the, the lack of heartbeat just turns into heartache and heartbreak. And, and, and here's the thing. I remember the drive home. You know, it was a long drive home. It was almost 50 minutes home because everything in Raleigh, North Carolina is 50 minutes away. But, but you know, there, was just, there were no words. I, I could not muster or summon any sort of words that would comfort my wife. So we just sat in the car in silence for almost an hour and just wept. And we were broken. And when we got home, things didn't change. I didn't receive any special revelation from Jesus in the 50 minutes on the car ride home to comfort my wife in the midst of the hardest time of our life. The only thing I knew to do in that moment when we got out of the car and just kind of standing there right in the driveway is, is I embraced her. And I hugged her. And she hugged me. And we wept bitter tears. And I learned in that moment the importance of drawing somebody near, of being drawn near. I learned the importance of what it means to be embraced. That is exactly what this is talking about right here. It says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far off, who are once strangers, we were once lost. What are all the words? Uncircumcised. We don't even know what that means, maybe, but it's not good, right? But, but it's not only that, but, but we were, <clears throat> that we were at times separated from Christ, alienated, strangers to the covenant, with no hope. This is who we were. And Jesus came, and He embraced us. And He continues to embrace us. And in that embrace, He continues to sanctify us. And he continues to plan for our future and think through and think big things for us and dream big dreams for us so that one day we might 
get a hold of all of that. Now, here, here's the thing, you guys. Jesus is at work in our salvation, our sanctification, and our future, and we have to ask a very important question. Does anybody know what the question is? So what? So what? I'm not trying to say that in some sort of irreverent way. These truths are huge truths for us to know and to understand. But we have to ask ourselves, so what does that mean for me? What does that mean for Michael? There's a reason we read this whole entire chapter. I just want to look over it for just a second. I want to go back to verse 4. If you guys would go back with me to verse 4 real quick. <clears throat> I love this. It says, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. But God. I've said this before and I'll say it again and I'll say it to my dying day. To me, those are two of the most beautiful words in Scripture. But God. We were this but God. It doesn't just stop there, though. Look in verse 13. It says, But now in Christ Jesus. Did you hear it? It's not just, but God. It says, But now in Christ Jesus. It's not just, but God. But he goes on to say to us in this passage, but Jesus. We were this, but Jesus. He embraced us. He is sanctifying us. Now love this. Look at verse 19. It says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens. And I love this. But you... But you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. I'm sorry, but I kind of, whenever I see something, when I see this theme repeating over and over again, I see this word, this term, this phrase, but God. And then I see just a few verses later, but Jesus. And then I see just a few verses later, but you. You know, so often we think about and we rejoice in but God. But God did this for me. I was this. I was covered up in, in uh, addiction. I was covered up in sexual sin. I was covered up in living my life the way that I wanted to live it. But God, I was hurting and I was in pain. I was hurt by the church. I was hurt by people. But Jesus. But here's the most amazing thing about this passage. This passage is not just about God. This passage is not just about Jesus. This passage is also about you and me. We get to be a part of this, you guys. He says, but you. <clears throat> I realize that for some of us, the holidays that we're going through are tough. These holidays. There's a lot of people that are reminded of some very hard things that are happened or happening in their lives. I know that and my heart breaks with you. I, I can't fully empathize with maybe exactly how you're feeling, but I've gone through some stuff too. We all have. And we go through this suffering 
And, and here's the thing, in the midst of all that suffering, sometimes the idea or the inclination for us is to think that, well, I don't matter. I don't have a purpose. I'm going through all of this, and how can I possibly be useful to anybody else in this life or in this world because of what I'm going through? But you know, here's the thing. How you feel, the feelings that you're feeling, the feelings of purposelessness, the feelings of loss, the feelings of hate, maybe even the feelings of bitterness and anger that you may be going through are incompatible with God's word when he says, but you. He has something in store for you. This passage is full of God's purpose for you. But here's the important thing. Only within the context of the church. God has a purpose for you within the context of this church or His church. The reality is we want to we do life and we want to live life and then we struggle and then we come crawling back to Jesus and, and we want to draw near to Jesus and we don't realize that the whole time that maybe we're drawing near to Jesus. You know what Jesus is saying is draw near to them. Do it together. You cannot do this alone. You cannot do this only with Jesus. His plan is for us to do this together, to come together. Otherwise, he wouldn't say, in him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Here's the so what, you guys. Let me, let me just ask you this. As I was sharing earlier those stories of life change, I don't know if you noticed it, but I was, I was sharing the stories of those whose lives have been changed and those, the stories of those who got to be a part of life change. The testimony is not just in those who have been impacted by Christ, but are the testimonies of those of us who get to be a part of that impact. That is a rich and divine appointment, a gift for us to be a part of. And, and, and here's the thing, in the midst of all that, in the midst of hearing those stories, who did you identify with most? Maybe you're in this room and I, if I were to ask you to raise your hand, you would say, I identify with those whose lives have been changed. My life this year has been terrible. 2016 has beat me up and beat me down. But God, in the midst of all of that, but Jesus has embraced me. Maybe, maybe that's who you would identify. Maybe for you this year, it's not so been so much about the, what you've been going through, but what you've been allowed to walk through with others. Maybe you're rejoicing in that moment that you get to be a part of someone else's sanctification, that Jesus lets you be a part, that together we can build a temple together. Maybe it's a little bit of both. sad reality is for some of us in this room maybe it's neither maybe you haven't allowed Jesus to work in your life to move to heal to change to transform maybe you have not allowed Jesus to use you to be a part of healing and transformation and change I don't know <clears throat> can I submit to you guys that just because you come to this building on a weekly basis that does not make you a part of this church just showing up here on a Sunday morning 
and warming one of our chairs up does not make you apart. There's so much more to it than that. God has so much more in store for us. Allowing Jesus to work in you and through you, that is how you become a part. Maybe you've never actually received the rich mercy of God that it talks about in verse 4. And the fellowship that comes only in Christ, it talks about in verse 11. Maybe you need to receive that gift this morning. Maybe you can't be a part because you haven't received the gift of salvation. You understand, you have to have salvation before you can have sanctification in a future. The reality is, people can embrace the church and not embrace Christ. There's a lot of people that go to church, but they don't have a relationship with Christ. There may be some people in this room that come here every week, week in and week out, that come here but don't have a relationship with Christ. But I will say this to you as well. You cannot embrace Christ and not embrace the church. You can't say, I want Jesus, but I don't want the church. You can't say, I want salvation, but I don't want community. That's like saying, I want, I want a house, I want a roof without a house. That's like saying, I want a shepherd without a sheep. Sheep, yeah. What's the point? That's like saying, I want a husband without a wife. You can't be a husband without a wife. Here's the reality. We have to do it together. Church, as we move forward in 2017, just know that Jesus is at work. He's at work in my life. He's at work in your life. And he wants to be in work, at work in those lives who maybe you haven't seen him moving and, and, and breathing and living and acting. He wants to be a part of your life as well. So as we go forward as a church, as we think about what God has in store for us through all of 2017, and God, I believe with all of my heart that God has big things, but I also believe with all of my heart that this is only the beginning that God has in store for us. And so as we go forward as a church, here's what we need to know more than anything, that God has a plan for us, but we have to do it together. The church is important. It is the most important organism and organization that has ever existed and it's that way because jesus said so and because you are a part let's pray father god we thank you for the truth of your word father we thank you that jesus is at work in our lives and in our hearts father we thank that you that you have revealed to us that jesus is at work in our salvation and our sanctification, and that Jesus is at work in our future. And Father, I pray that you would work in the lives and the hearts of those this morning, that as we come to a place where we respond, as we've looked back over the last year, and we rejoice and we thank you for who you are and what you've done in our lives, as we have applauded you and how you have worked I pray that we would not grow weary in doing that, that we would continue to allow you to work in our lives, that, you would, that we would continue to allow you to embrace us, that, you would, that we would continue to allow you to put us to work, to serve others. 
Father, I pray that we would get over ourselves. Father, I pray that we would not come to church just seeking some sort of happiness or fulfillment or even checking off a checklist. But Father, that we would do what we do in honor of You. Father, thank You for allowing us to be a part. So in these next few moments as we respond, as we worship You, Father, I pray that You would just continue to give us a double portion of Your Spirit so we can do just that. Maybe You've called us to respond, to get on our face before You right where we're sitting. Maybe You've called us to stand up and lift our hands and praise You. Maybe You've called us to come down here and, and talk to a pastor. Whatever it may be, Lord, I pray that You would just help us respond this morning to You, to who You are. And we ask and pray all these things in Christ's precious and holy name. Amen.